Welcome to the Caribbean Moms Podcast with me, your host, Empress Golding. Over the course of this series, our guests will be providing Caribbean mothers with expert advice, support, and conversation around the everyday challenges of raising children. Most of all, we're here to celebrate moms who are doing the most important job in the world. The CaribbeanMoms.com podcast is brought to you by Nestum Infant Cereals. Nestum Cereals provide your baby with key nutrients such as vitamins and minerals and probiotics to help support their healthy growth and development. Today's protection for a better tomorrow. From six months onwards. And remember, breastfeeding is best. In this episode, we're going to talk about getting back to my best self after baby with special guest, Kimberly Hoffman, expert physiotherapist and founder of the Mummy Tummy Guide, and Dr. Sarah Lawrence Lewis, founder and consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at Caris Women's Wellness Center. Enjoy this episode. Okay, ladies, moms, welcome, welcome to Caribbean Moms. We're looking today at getting back to my best self after baby. And I have two special guests with me, Kimberly Hoffman, expert physiotherapist and founder of the Mummy Tummy Guide, and Dr. Sarah Lawrence Lewis, founder and consultant, OBGYN, obstetrician and gynecologist at Caris Women's Wellness Center. In this episode, we're going to give practical, actionable advice to women to help them to get back to a healthy physical and mental state after becoming a mom. So we're going to start first with Kimberly Hoffman. Kimberly, so many moms are depressed and not happy with their body and are struggling to get back to their best self after having a baby. So welcome and let's start with you. How are you today? And tell me some of the work you've been doing with moms and helping them to get back to their best self well hi empress um i have been working with mothers since 2017 helping them postpartum um, i've been helping mothers in jamaica and throughout the caribbean diaspora and it's been absolutely amazing working with mothers as you know after pregnancy the number one complaint is the bodies like i don't like how my body look after pregnancy, it doesn't feel the same no matter what I do. It's not getting back there. So because I experienced that, I developed a program called the Mommy Tummy Guide that I've been using and having tremendous results um, to helping, helping women to heal and restore their core after baby and just getting them back to loving and appreciating themselves. And that's the most important thing for them to understand that, hey, this is part of the journey and you don't have to really worry about it. If you need help, get the help that you need and just get on with it. You know, it's just part of the process and we can work through it. Well, tell me how you did it for you. And, and did you have somebody help you along the way? What is it that you were seeing and feeling uh, when you looked in the mirror after your baby? Okay. So after baby for me, um, what happened was my tummy looked really, really dark. So that was the first thing. And I was like, 
why what's, what's what's wrong with this discoloration like it's not going back and it was like a shocker for me because I never saw anybody else tell me after pregnancy this was the first time I'm up and close with someone after pregnancy was myself and I was like is this supposed to happen and I was saying to my mommy like mommy your belly don't just go back after the baby come out why it still look like something is in there and she's like yeah that's how it looked and I was like no I've never seen this before and it carried on for months. And I'm like, no, so when does this leave? And it was up to a year. And I was like, no, sir, something must can be done. This cannot just be it. So I started to do my research. And then I found out I had diastasis recti, which came as a shocker for me because I'm a physio. And as a physio, I've seen diastasis recti before. But um, all the cases of diastasis recti that I've seen it was extreme. So I didn't feel like, you know, I had an extreme condition. I just thought that, you know, my tummy just behaving funny. And lo and behold, it was diastasis. I tried to heal it with the knowledge that I had, and it just wasn't enough. And then I did a course on diastasis recti that was for one professionals as well as for mothers with diastasis recti. And when I did that course, I got a better understanding. However, it still didn't fully heal my diastasis. So I started to do more research and I was like, okay, something was missing. And then I started to pull my research with the course that I did to create my program, which is an eight-step guide that I have been using to help mothers. Okay, I think it's important now that we explain um, diastasis recti. What is, the, what, is, what is the condition exactly? Okay, so diastasis recti is the separation of the abdominalis muscle. So what happens is during pregnancy, um, the linear alba has to stretch to accommodate the baby. So the tummy, the tummy as well as the muscles has to stretch to accommodate the baby. So approximately, well, 100% of women has a diastasis recti, would have a diastasis recti at some point during pregnancy, right? And the research shows that up to six weeks, majority of the women would have um, the muscles going back together. And then um, up to six months, you still have some mothers who would also have the separation going back together. But after that point, usually after the six-month point, you find that if it, if it didn't go back, then you probably need help to get it back together right so it's just the muscles separating to accommodate the baby and then for some persons it would come back and then for others it doesn't okay well you said you created an eight-step process to help us with our you know physical strength and getting back to some kind of mommy that we like to see in the mirror and it's interesting because a lot of times a lot of us pose up on instagram and these places and everybody has a six-pack after six months of pregnancy but it doesn't really work like that some people may get back to their normal self quicker than others. And some of us are sitting there saying to ourselves, why can't I get back to normal? Why can't I look like that? So let's set our own expectations by working through this eight step process that you have created to kind of get back to some kind of normal that we like to see. So let's go through it. What's the first one, Kimberly? All right, so first, it's not instant. That's the first thing. It's not instant, it's not an instant process. It is a process and a process that takes a while to get to the end and to get you there. Um, the first step is accepting yourself as you are right now. So you just brought a beautiful baby into the world and that in itself is super. And I like to stress this to mothers because they don't even realize like 
how awesome you already are. You had baby, you're taking care of baby, you're taking care of yourself, taking care of spouse, you probably have other kids. You have a lot that's going on and that's just amazing in itself. So I like to stress that a lot for my mommies. So we, um, we just like to accept where you are in this journey and we use affirmations, we use um, self-massage techniques to help with, if you have a C-section, to help with the scar mobilization, to help with um, sometimes a lot of women that disconnect from the tummy, like it's just not there. It's like, they just cannot relate to this new body and they just shut off completely from it. And when they begin to touch the tummy, it's like an emotional experience. So we definitely do a lot of that, a lot of self-massage and affirmations and just being kind to your body and being kind to yourself. That's the first step. And then we go into protecting and reconnecting. So for some mothers, um, the diastasis recti, it's pretty severe. And in order to help with reconnecting with the muscles, we have to use what we call an abdominal binder. It's not the same thing as a waist trainer. It is breathable, meaning that it moves with your body and it just gently guides the muscles back together. Not like a waist trainer is pushing everything together. We do not recommend waist trainers at all. It puts a lot of pressure on your pelvic floor and your diaphragm and we just don't recommend it. Like zero to 10, never recommend. Um, but we do recommend an abdominal binder. We don't do it too tightly either, just enough to kind of guide the muscles back together. And where do we find this abdominal binder? Is this something that's available online? It's available online. It's also available like at um, stores that would sell splints for like your hand or um, your knee. Uh, it's usually in that, it's, somet it's sometimes found in pharmacies. And any store that's selling rehab equipments like um, wrist splints, elbow splints, knee splints, it's usually from there. Okay. All right. And that's step number two, protect and reconnect. Right. And then step number three is the pelvic floor is a part of the core. So we get into the pelvic floor and understanding what it is, um, where it's found, how do we... Um, use the pelvic floor. Have we been using the pelvic floor? Because the pelvic floor, it's you sit on your pelvic floor. It's at the base of your core. And it's very important to your movement, to your reproductive health, um, and just general core stability and movement. So getting the pelvic floor to work um, as it should, making sure that you don't have any pelvic floor dysfunctions is also very important because diastasis recti, it's not, a, it's not in isolation. It's the entire core and that also includes the pelvic floor. So we get into pelvic floor strengthening and in some cases, it's that the pelvic floor is actually too tight. So we get into down training and relaxing the pelvic floor so that the movement pattern, it's moving in, moving in synergy and um, you can move better and then start to see the results that you desire. Does this happen with exercises, Kimberly? How do we work the pelvic floor? How do we know um, if it's in good condition or not? All right, so generally, the general um, test of the pelvic floor, it's through Kegels and that is when you squeeze the pelvic floor, I call it quint, and you squeeze and relax the vaginal muscles. And that is the general way how we would test if it is, um, how it's working. And sometimes it is that it's not strong enough and we would use exercises, um, working uh, like clamshells, squats, um, various exercises to help to strengthen the pelvic floor. But in most cases, it's not that it's strong, it's that it's tight. 
And what we do in that case is that we might go in and do internal massages to loosen up the pelvic floor, or we'll do stretches to increase flexibility and to open the hips and then um, relax the pelvic floor with down training through breathing as well. All right, that's number three, realizing the pelvic floor as part of the core and working the pelvic floor with some exercises. And kegling is very important. Um, I think we have to encourage our moms to get that Kegel exercise happening wherever they are, at work, on the road, driving, to really strengthen their pelvic floor. All right, anything else on that one? But only if they have a weak pelvic floor, because mm -hmm. if you're Kegeling on a tight pelvic floor, that is not good. So we don't want, we don't want persons who have a tight pelvic floor to be Kegeling to work at home at any point. We don't really want that because that will make it um, even tighter and create further problems. Okay, all right, that's number three. And I know um, later on, Dr. Sarah Lawrence will also come in and, and share with us and join in on that conversation about, the, that's interesting about the pelvic floor being too tight or too loose. And how do you know? Yeah, we gotta dig into that one. What's number four in the process? Number four is the rules of active engagement. So it's learning how to activate the core. Um, a lot of persons, they're doing sit-ups, crunches, and they're like, oh, no results. I'm, I'm crunching 100 crunches, 100 sit-ups, and they're not seeing any results. And it's because of form. Like, are you really engaging your core when you're doing these exercises? You know, um, do, are you pulling in the navel, pulling up the pelvic floor? What are you doing while you're doing the exercises? So that's a part of the process that I would teach you now how to breathe while exercising, how to engage these abdominal muscles, these pelvic floor muscles that we did from step three is where it comes, it comes back into step four. And once you really begin to engage the entire core, then when you're doing your exercises, um, you will begin to see results and not necessarily crunches or sit-ups. We do other types of exercises. So even full body workout like squats and lifts, when you're actively engaging the core, you're engaging the core properly, these exercises are very sufficient. They're sufficient enough to get um, the strength that you're looking for in the core. Okay. Breathing. You mentioned breathing being important there. The power of the breath. All right. What's that's number four, the rules of active engagement. And number five now. All right. So number five is overcoming your mommy posture. So um, during, during, during pregnancy, from pregnancy, you start, once the tummy gets heavy, you start to sway the hips forward. You know, you're bringing the back back just to kind of um, be able to manage the new weight that the tummy has. And that posture carries over even after pregnancy. And they find out a lot of women, they say that after pregnancy, I don't have no bottom, like I have a mom butt, the bottom is gone. Yeah, that happened to me. Where's my butt gone? You're tucking your butt in. You, tuck, you tucked in to sway your back forward so that you could manage that weight. And then after pregnancy, you didn't want it to untuck. So now your, your butt's all the way in there. You know, you tell, your pelvis tilted forward anteriorly. So um, getting rid of your mommy posture includes um, re getting the pelvis back to neutral, 
through stretches and certain exercises as well to strengthen the muscles to keep the pelvis in neutral, as well as when you're breastfeeding, you kind of round your shoulder to hold baby close to you. So you have a lot of tightness in the shoulder as well. So we also strengthen and stretch so that you can be upright and we strengthen those muscles in the upper back to keep your um, shoulders back and you know your posture nice and tall. So that is overcoming your mommy posture. We do it through stretching and strengthening. All right, and number six. The number six is also um, stretching. It is more stretch, less stress. And stretching, I mean, flexibility is a measure of fitness that we often avoid. Nobody wants to stretch because sometimes it's painful. It's, it doesn't feel good. So persons would prefer to be doing the hard workouts every day, working out, working out, working out without not getting um a lot of stretching and mm. so to counter that we just want to encourage um stretching and flexibility especially through the hips and um through the shoulders that's number six mm-hmm. number seven is tummy safe exercises so tummy safe exercise is not necessarily to scare you into thinking that hey I have diastasis recti, I shouldn't exercise because I don't know what are the tummy safe exercises. I don't want to do anything. It's really um, to progress according to your stages. So in step one, where in stage one, when you're just learning about diastasis recti, learning about um, engaging the muscles and using the current muscles, we have certain exercises that we prefer to use at that stage. And they usually include lying um, in the bed while doing these exercises. Then we progress to kneeling, to standing exercises. And then, you know, like planks that people's persons will tell you, no planking with diastasis. It's not really no planking. It's just different types of planking. So you might start with a half plank or um, you might start with the plank like on the chair, like an elevated plank. And then you get yourself back to the regular plank so it's just progressing according to the stages that you are at and then using all the steps to not just exercise but take over into your regular life would be step eight integration seals the gap look at that that's perfect so now we don't have to worry about looking in the mirror and we're going to take some time and as i said earlier a lot of us see these images of celebrity moms mainly you know making you feel like you don't want to uh look at yourself in the mirror but with these eight steps and support from people like kimberly hoffman we will be able to look in the mirror again and be happy with what we see now we know that snapping back is not easy but we moms can do it we caribbean moms can get it right let's take time and let's be kind with ourselves and as kimberly says accept yourself as you are right now i want to bring in dr sarah lawrence lewis now to join us in the conversation snapping back mentally and physically so sarah founder and consultant obstetrician and gynecologist at the caris women's wellness center you heard from kimberly there how do we snap back and i want you to also help me pick up on the pelvic exercises that we need to do and kegling is my pelvic muscle too tight or is it too loose welcome sarah Thanks for having me. All right, so let's just dispel this whole snapback thing. 
All right. It's not a thing. It's not a thing that we're going to put out there and glorify and magnify. Some people get a new norm. Some people never return to what they were before, but it is okay. And I think when we take out this whole unrealistic expectation of this snapback, you know, that's, that's when women start to heal and get on this journey in a healthy way. All right. So I'm not going to comment on the snapback, but we're going to talk, comment about the new norm, the, 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 you know, the version 2.0 of you, cause you're now a mommy and you have superpowers. You understand? So when it comes, so we're going to touch on the physical aspect before we delve into the mental aspect, because you know, that's hugely underserved, but the physical aspect and the aspect that most of us care about a lot because that's what changed. That's what we see in the mirror daily. Um, I love the way Kimberly outlined it and the way she took time and thought and mixed in the science with the mental and kind of made a good program. But when it comes to the pelvic floor, and I think we spoke about this before, Empress, and I'm glad to speak about it over and over again. You know, the pelvic floor is made of muscles. So when you go to the gym and you pump your iron and you're getting the nice deltoids and biceps, triceps and quads, when you work a muscle, the muscle gets robust. Actually, the muscle fibers tear down and scar tissue builds up and it gets big and thick and robust and strong. So just as the pelvic floor is made of muscles, if you're continuously doing exercises to, to trigger, you know, muscle tear down and build back, strength therefore results in the, in the floor of these muscles, of the pelvis. Now, it is not often that we find persons with with very like overtight or overstimulated or very, very strong pelvic muscles in my practice. Because I guess most people come to me when um, there's an issue like incontinence or signs of weakness. But for sure, if you're seeing things like you're having very painful intercourse or putting in a tampon and it's painful or you can't, when you pass in your urine, you can't empty it fully or you can't empty your bowel fully. Things like that are saying that, you know, the muscle strength is a little bit too taut and it's holding up what it shouldn't be. So, you know, a lot of us, we know we do Kegels all the time and you think it's a good thing, but, it, and it is, it is because for the most part, part, the grand majority of people ignore this muscle group altogether. And it's a very important muscle group, especially knowing what the pelvic floor has to endure to sustain um, having a pregnancy, not only childbirth, because a lot of people think, oh, they had a C-section and they didn't push. It's not a problem. It's actually having and maintaining the pregnancy that puts a stress on the pelvic floor musculature. So definitely having a close relationship with your, with your doctor is key. You know, letting them know your symptoms, letting them know anything that is you know, veering off from your norm, then they can let you know now, okay, yes, you need to start doing some Kegels. Yeah, no, you need to go to Kimberly. No, you need to go and do this, you know? And it's all about keeping the dialogue open and not just taking on things and saying, okay, I can't pass my urine the way I used to. It's just because I had a baby. No, no, there's help for you and we want to help you. Just just speak with your doctor. I hope you, everybody has a good, open relationship with the OBGYN that they can call them anytime about anything. Let them tell you, no man, that's okay. That's not a problem. That soon settled down by six weeks rather than you sit down on something where you could have had an early intervention for better results. 
Sounds good there, sir. Thank you, Doc. Let's look now at recovering mentally. We're not going to snap back, <laughs> but we're going to recover. And let's look at the mental health, which is usually overlooked. I mean, moms have been through so much and it takes a lot to deliver a child, carry a child. And now, you know, nurture this newborn with everything going on, you know, how does it affect us mentally and what are we supposed to do? What are the signs that we need to recognize and, and help us work through some simple things that we can do to acknowledge what's going on, uh, accepting what's going on and, uh, you know, dealing with what's going on at home, um, you know, all depressed, all sad, postnatal uh, depression. We've heard about that. What do we need to recognize and what do we need to do? Share some tips, please. Okay, there's, this is so loaded. So let me take you through in a systematic, systematic way. So firstly, you need to acknowledge what is going on in your body, what's going on in your life. So there are many factors that affect you mentally after delivery. First, there are physiological factors. That means that's just factors that's going on, the biology of what's going on in your body. You come in from an area where you had high hormones raging to support this pregnancy, placental hormones, hormones from your ovaries, all sorts of things going on. You deliver, everything just plummets. So physiologically, that big drop in the hormones causes you to have an emotional and a mental response. So Biologically, without the psychosocial stuff, you know, without what's going on at home and everything else, you are going to have a response. So what we will call or what you would hear as baby blues is a normal response to this big drop of hormones that has happened. So some people may be tearful. Some people may be anxious. Some people may be, you know, irritated, you know, whatever it is. And I'm not even, I'm trying to break it down in isolation and nothing is in isolation. You're going superimpose on top of that lack of sleep, not eating, frustration, baby crying. All of these things paint a big mental, what could potentially be a disaster if you're not managing it well. So there's the, I'm taking it out and isolating it. The first thing is the, the physiological thing that's occurring. Secondly, you have to consider now if this person has a predisposition to a mental issue. Does this person have have um, episodes of depression in the past? Or they have a family history of depression or things trigger them, you know, uh, that, that could potentially lead them up down a potential path. If, you know, your doctor should have gone into that from in the antenatal history and with the with them and possibly they could even observe over the time because you know you, you you truly build a relationship with your obstetrician you know you come you see them every month then every two weeks then every week you kind of pick up on certain little things it could just be the affect it's a little flat you know they're not really as bubbly some people come in and they're bubbly and some people just kind of yeah when is the delivery you know and it's not because you're a bad mom it's just because something is happening within your mind and your heart that is associated with this pregnancy and you as a doctor now should have your little antennas up to say okay I need to be a little bit more vigilant with her post-delivery and that's another reason why it's important to keep up with your antenatal visits you know because these are the things we're looking for in the background that we're not saying to you you know so th those are the things we're looking out on the biological aspect. The other thing is the psychosocial, and that is just so important. You're in a new space with a new human, with new needs, and this has implications on you, your family life, how you relate to your husband, how you relate to your, your, your other children, you know, 
recovery and the new journey is just uncharted waters no matter how much book you read no matter how you prep the place and you put up everything and the nursery look good you have no idea what you have what you're about to walk into it's brand new you know so and also acknowledging that is a big part of it because a lot of us are women we have our things together we're professionals we do this we do that a oh, baby i must it's time it is time and this is natural and i'm gonna do this and when you find yourself derailing in a in a space where you have no idea you, you never do this before you may have seen your auntie or your sister or somebody else but you now are the one that's not eating not drinking not sleeping and the breastfeeding not working out and the husband annoying you and you feel like you are and mommy calling you and telling you what to do with the baby and what not to do and all of these things are happening you know you have to be very aware of what your triggers are if it is mommy have all intentions in the world, however she's overwhelming right now, you may need a buffer. Make, make somebody answer the phone for you, you know, or limit those interactions. Just those little things. Being aware of everything is brand new now. Let me see what it is that's triggering me. Be very aware. And it may feel bad because you may say, no man, mommy, I can't tell mommy not to come. But if mommy is a trigger, mommy, we have to go, you know, or I can't eat. Who is going to help me with a meal? Who is going to, you know, do these little practical things that we need in this initial time to help with just stabilizing what your new norm is going to look like? So for me, when I'm thinking about preparation for your mental health post-delivery, it takes some work before. Just like everything else, because physically, you buy bassinet, you buy crib, you buy pack and play and car seat and all these things for your physical space. But did you make a plan who is going to be bringing the meals for the first couple of weeks? Did you make a plan of who will take the first shift and the second shift and if I go pump and put on and daddy go make me sleep for a four hour stretch then I'm going to take the next four hour stretch those practical things are the things that you have to start thinking about because a part of us going through this whole extraordinary miracle of childbirth is thinking that we're the only ones capable of taking care of our children and it's really something that we're all guilty of we're not think daddy hold the baby right and the baby will choke and decide that nothing is going to happen or teach daddy so you know you can get because you you can't pour for an empty cup so if you burn out yourself you have no use to the baby you're definitely of no use to other children or your spouse I think I want to come in here as uh, Dr. Lawrence Lewis and look at maybe a four-step plan, you know, because as you said, we plan for the baby, we plan for everything else, but how do we plan for our own self-care? Identifying the people we need to call on and making sure that before the baby's born, we have a plan for us, our village, you know, our support system. So what are the four, four or five things that we need to, 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 to write down to say, step one, planning for me. Let's go and create step four things that we should do. Each person, some people may need 15 things. Some people may need one. Some people may need two. And so I don't want to say, Okay, I did these four things and I'm still in shambles, even though I know it's good to have steps. What I would love every mother to do is take a true appraisal of their physical space. What it is, if you are somebody who loves sleep, you need to make the provisions to get your sleep. I don't love sleep. I can sleep two or three hours. I'm okay with the lack of sleep, you know, but 
somebody else requires eight to six hours. You may not get the eight to six, but you're going to say, okay, daddy, you have to go work. You take the first shift. I take the second shift so you can get this stretch before. So just those practical things. Can your mother come and help us in the first week? Because we're okay with that. We, we set up the guest room. She sleep in the guest room and we get a little time to lock off. So the timing is really individualized. But for me, the meal plans... And that is me not talking as Dr. Sarah, but Mommy Sarah. There was no eating. There was no drinking. And how can you make breast milk if you're not drinking? If you're not eating, you know? And it's, it is like a cycle of frustration because you're trying to breast milk, breastfeed because breastfeeding is the best thing. But you're making two liquor drop of milk and the baby hungry and the baby crying. And it's just a disaster. So you need to make sure there's just a, your sister or your friend because they want to help, you know? But you're kind of saying, oh, you don't want anybody around the baby in the first few weeks. They don't have to be around the baby, but they can come drop off a meal. You can set a water bottle with the calibrations that say, okay, I'm going to drink off this today. Where are each? Hobby come and say, come, you don't drink this yet. I don't like water, but I'll drink coconut water. I'm going to drink something else. You know, make that, that plan. Also, putting in time for yourself. It is so necessary, even if it is just... To, my pumping time was my time for myself, which wasn't really my time for myself because I'm pumping. But I, I, I took out with myself, left the baby with whoever, and I just watched something brainless on TV, like totally. And I was pumping and watching and that was my time to just say okay forget about it i don't know what that's gonna look like for you if you're gonna go out and take a five minute walk or if you're gonna just leave baby or even take the baby on the walk too because if the baby is safe in the stroller and you're walking you're kind of can escape for a little bit right but create if not in the first or second week because it may not be realistic make it a premium an important thing to do in that first six weeks to carve out a little time for yourself then the time for you and your partner let's look at that because i've i've had jokes about partners who get a little jealous when they see the baby breastfeeding knowing that they can't breastfeed and <laughs> And let's look at intimacy. A lot of new moms lose intimacy with their partner because they are going through so much and a lot of time is spent with the baby. Uh, how do you resume intimacy with your partner? How do you have the conversation? How do you get your groove back with your partner? All right. The fact, let's just talk it real Caribbean moms. You don't feel sexy. There's nothing sexy. I said when Kimberly spoke about the darkness of the belly, when that happened for my son, because I wasn't an OBGYN at the time, I was just in med school. I said, nobody told me about this. Nobody told me that my hair was going to drop out. Nobody told me these are the things that nobody, and you know, I didn't have any cute postpartum shedding, you know, all of the front left. And there's nothing sexy about how you feel, how how things are. You Sometimes you don't even get to bathe how you want to bathe or when you want to bathe. You don't get to dress up, put on a perfume, feel good. You're literally walking around in a big t-shirt with your new body breastfeeding. So it is understandable. Be kind to yourself, right? Your husband needs to be very aware too that he needs to give you a little break now, you know? <laughs> a lot happened, you know? A lot has happened. So if you guys are very open about this discussion, you can be creative with how the first, how the intimacy ease back into the whole relationship is not perhaps back to what it was before. You know, okay, sex, okay. This intimacy is literally time together that's intimate and special to the two of you. So you're going to 
discuss expectations because some husbands first thing after first visit so when we can have sex doc okay so <laughs> first thing whether you had a c-section or vaginal delivery she needs to heal but guess what you can be creative you can do other little things if you find time to to please each other and enjoy each other's company and space so my thing is i don't want intimacy to cut off clean because when it cut off clean it's like building it back again from scratch and it's a little weird with a baby there truth be told and i'm guilty my baby is still in my bed intimacy is not it's like an extreme sport in my world right because the picnic is in the bed same way right do not recommend i i will that's not good that's for a different show but you're going to have to make sure you plan things ahead of time make sure the baby have their own space where they sleep they're not in the bed with you because then now you're going to have a it's holy for gymnastics now for getting a two three year old out of your bed versus a two three month old out of your bed so remember that this is your partner this is the person that you're navigating life with this is the person that when the picnic gone and married is you and them so you need to maintain and 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 foster that relationship but also be kind to yourself some people don't feel like sex and it's okay it's okay take the time get back to yourself and it will come it will come it will come some is not sex alone they don't feel like generally for baby blues the things that you're normally interested in you're just not interested at all you know so be kind to yourself take your time but always having them back of your mind okay this is one of the things that we need to work towards and don't make the picnic sleep in the bed, please. <laughs> and if the baby is in the bed, maybe mommy and daddy have to get up and go to their room to do That's what they right. have to do. So That's we talked right. about a few things. We talked about exercise. We talked about sleep. We talked about intimacy, um, the me time and really creating that, you know, that plan for you when you have birth and creating the new version, the 2.0 version of yourself. So ladies, let's go back to Kimberly No, for a minute and ask Kimberly No if you could hearing what dr lawrence lewis has said and for all our caribbean moms out there what is the two or three things that you want to remind them to do right now going through what they're going through physically and mentally okay um i have to agree with dr sarah lawrence like um the thing is a lot of persons want to help you during this time you know you have a baby coming and it's exciting and everybody's happy for you However, you have to state the help that you want because then it can be really irritating when they're coming to help you, but it's not the help that you want. But remember, they're also trying their best. So the only way they can know the help that you want is if you tell them, tell them, this is how I want you to help me. You know, they might think that taking the baby from you is help, but you just want to cuddle and hold your baby. So it's not helpful. It makes you miserable because you want to be holding the baby. So state the help that you want. That is always useful. And um, for the exercising and for the diastasis recti part, the takeaways are just love and accept you for who you are right now. You are doing a great job and you just need to appreciate where you are in this stage of the journey. You know, if the social media is affecting your mental health, your mental space, then turn it off. Stop looking, stop watching because it's not real. All right. And then remember that diastasis recti, it's multifactorial. It's not one thing. It's not just, oh, my tummy don't look how I like it to look. There are other things at play. 
And if you need the help, just go and get the help. Stop, stop Google searching because it will spread a lot of fear and it won't be as helpful to you. So just get the person who can help you find them and get that help. And that person is usually a pelvic health physiotherapist like me. So yes, um, and that would be my two takeaways from the conversation. Thank you, Kimberly and Dr. Sarah Lawrence-Lewis. All right, I'm going to give my two takeaways, but I just want to reinforce the importance of the partner's role in this. Um, because they're often the first ones to pick up on a mental health irregularity. And they should also have an open discussion with the, an open channel to the obstetrician and gynecologist and say, you know what? Sarah not acting so good. She's not really bathing. She's not really talking. She's not really taking care of the baby. Those, so you, the partners need to be very involved. And women, if you're listening, make sure your partners hear this. If they say anything, not just you being catty or anything petty, but if they say something substantial that is concerning, they should reach out to the doctor. Because a lot of time we say ask for help. But if you don't have insight and the capacity to, to process what is going on, you really can't ask for help, right? But my tips to my mommies, because you know I am passionate about women and women's health. First thing is to acknowledge the awesomeness of what you just did or you're currently doing. You are the whole human race. Everything and everybody that you see is dependent on the process that you went through or going through. And that is major. So the major changes and the major things that you may not like as the aftermath of delivery, it's because you did this awesome thing. And if you change your mind frame to that, you kind of take on your battle scars or your imperfections as, as a good thing, as like a medal of honor. So I like to change their mindset when they start to think about the snapback and all of that. Protect your mental space. I love that that Kimberly said, if you don't want cut off the social media, everybody needs to do that anyway sometimes because that space, it not real. It's like watching one big, fantasy right mm. so you need to protect your space if you think if you're starting to compare and whatever protect your mental space be kind to yourself and ask for help if needed there's a mm. whole body of people out there that want to support you that want to see you reach your very best self that want to help you on this journey of motherhood Listen, ladies, this is awesome. I think every Caribbean mom right now should look in the mirror, get naked and say, this is me. I accept me as I am. I'm going to work on me. I am an awesome mom. I'm a super mom. I've done the best thing ever and I'm going to be okay. And I have a plan for me and my baby. Ladies, thank you so much for that advice. And one more thing, I know that a lot of people don't seek therapy. And as you mentioned, they need to talk to their doctor. They need to seek help if they are not okay, because postpartum depression can also get really, really, really bad. So most important is seek help, seek help. And it does take everybody else in the family to help to recognize these signs where we're not doing okay. All right, ladies, thank you so much for joining us here today, looking at uh, recovering, all right? Maintaining our mental health after baby and our physical health and to also get help. We are super moms, we are warrior moms. So I appreciate you both for sharing some great advice with us. And I hope everybody took notes, all right? And start to get up and get ready to be their best self. Have a wonderful day, ladies. Thank you so much.